Section five of A Voice from Harper's Ferry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Voice from Harper's Ferry by Osborne Perry Anderson. Chapters seventeen through nineteen. Chapter seventeen A Word or Two More About Albert Hazlitt. I left Lieutenant Hazlitt prostrate with fatigue and hunger the night on which I went to Chambersburg. The next day he went into the town boldly, carrying his blanket, rifle, and revolver, and proceeded to the house where Kagi had boarded. The reward was then out for John E. Cook's arrest, and suspecting him to be Cook, Hazlitt was pursued. He was chased from the house where he was by the officers, dropping his rifle in his flight. When he got to Carlisle, so far from receiving kindness from the citizens of his native state, he was from northern Pennsylvania. He was arrested and lodged in jail, given up to the authorities of Virginia, and shamefully executed by them, his identity, however, never having been proven before the court. A report of his arrest at the time reads as follows. The man arrested on suspicion of being concerned in the insurrection was brought before Judge Graham on a writ of habeas corpus today. Judge Watts presented a warrant from Governor Packer of Pennsylvania upon a requisition from the Governor of Virginia for the delivery of the fugitive named Albert Hazlitt. There was no positive evidence to identify the prisoner. Hazlitt was remanded to the custody of the sheriff. The judge appointed a further hearing and issued subpoenas for witnesses from Virginia, etc. No positive evidence in that last hearing was adduced, and yet Governor Packer ordered him to be delivered up, and the pro-slavery authorities made haste to carry out the mandate. Chapter 18. Captain Owen Brown, Charles P. Tidd, Barclay Coppock, F. J. Merriam, John E. Cook. In order to have a proper understanding of the work done at Harper's Ferry, I will repeat in a measure separately information concerning the movements of Captain O. Brown and Company, given in connection with other matter. This portion of John Brown's men was sent to the Maryland side previous to the battle, except Charles P. Tidd and John E. Cook, who went with our party to the ferry on Sunday evening. These two were of the company who took Colonel Washington prisoner, but on Monday morning they were ordered to the Kennedy farm to assist in moving and guarding arms. Having heard through some means that the conflict was against the insurgents, they provided themselves with food, blankets, and other necessaries, and then took to the mountains. They were fourteen days making the journey to Chambersburg. The weather was extremely bad the whole time. It rained, snowed, blew, and was freezing cold, but there was no shelter for the fugitive travelers, one of whom, F. J. Merriam, was in poor health, lame, and physically slightly formed. He was, however, greatly relieved by his companions, who did everything possible to lessen the fatigue of the journey for him. The bad weather and their destitution made it one of the most trying journeys it is possible for men to perform. Sometimes they would have to lie over a day or two for the sick, and when fording streams, as they had to do, they carried the sick over on their shoulders. 
they were a brave band and any attempt to arrest them in a body would have been a most serious undertaking as all were well armed could have fired some forty rounds apiece and would have done it without any doubt whatever the success of the federal officers consisted in arresting those unfortunate enough to fall into their clutches singly in this manner did poor hazlitt and john e cook fall into their power starvation several times stared owen brown's party in the face they would search their pockets over and over for some stray crumb that might have been overlooked in the general search for something to appease their gnawing hunger and pick out carefully from among the accumulated dirt and medley even the smallest crumb and give it to the comrade least able to endure the long and biting fast john e cook became completely overcome by this hungry feeling a strong desire to get salt pork took possession of him and against the remonstrances of his comrades he ventured down from the mountains to montaldo a settlement fourteen miles from chambersburg in quest of it he was arrested by daniel logan and cleggett fitzhugh and taken before justice reicher upon examination a commission signed by captain brown marked number four being found upon his person he was committed to await a requisition from governor wise and finally as is well known was surrendered to virginia where he was tried after a fashion condemned and executed it is not my intention to dwell upon the failings of johnny cook that he departed from the record as familiar to john brown and his men every one of them posted in the details of their obligations and duties well knows but his very weakness should excite our compassion he was brave none could doubt that and life was invested with charms for him which his new relation as a man of family tended to intensify and charity suggests that the hope of escaping his merciless persecutors and of being spared to his friends and associates in reform rather than treachery to the cause he had espoused furnishes the explanation of his peculiar sayings owen brown and the other members of the party becoming impatient at cook's prolonged absence began to suspect something was wrong and moved at once to a more retired and safer position afterwards they went to chambersburg and stopped in the outskirts of the town for some days communicating with but one person directly while there through revelations made by cook it became unsafe in the neighborhood and they left and went some miles from town when merriam took the cars for philadelphia thence to boston and subsequently to canada the other three travelled on foot to centre county pennsylvania when barclay Coppic separated from them to take the cars with the rifles of the company boxed up in his possession he stopped at salem ohio a few days and then went to cleveland from cleveland to detroit and over into canada where after remaining for a time he proceeded westward owen brown and c p tidd went to ohio where the former spent the winter the latter after a sojourn proceeded to massachusetts chapter nineteen the behavior of the slaves captain brown's opinion of the various contradictory reports made by slaveholders and their satellites about the time of the harper's ferry conflict none were more untruthful than those relating to the slaves 
there was seemingly a studied attempt to enforce the belief that the slaves were cowardly and that they were really more in favor of virginia masters and slavery than of their freedom as a party who had an intimate knowledge of the conduct of the colored men engaged i am prepared to make an emphatic denial of the gross imputation against them they were charged specially with being unreliable with deserting captain brown the first opportunity and going back to their masters and with being so indifferent to the work of their salvation from the yoke as to have to be forced into service by the captain contrary to their will on the sunday evening of the outbreak when we visited the plantations and acquainted the slaves with our purpose to effect their liberation the greatest enthusiasm was manifested by them joy and hilarity beamed from every countenance one old mother white-haired from age and borne down with the labors of many years in bonds when told of the work in hand replied god bless you god bless you she then kissed the party at her house and requested all to kneel which we did and she offered prayer to god for his blessing on the enterprise and our success at the slaves quarters there was apparently a general jubilee and they stepped forward manfully without impressing or coaxing in one case only was there any hesitation a dark complexioned free-born man refused to take up arms he showed the only want of confidence in the movement and far less courage than any slave consulted about the plan in fact so far as i could learn the free black south are much less reliable than the slaves and infinitely more fearful in washington city a party of free colored persons offered their services to the mayor to aid in suppressing our movement of the slaves who followed us to the ferry some were sent to help remove stores and the others were drawn up in a circle around the engine-house at one time where they were by captain brown's order furnished by me with pikes mostly and acted as a guard to the prisoners to prevent their escape which they did as in the war of the american revolution the first blood shed was a black man's crispus attics so at harper's ferry the first blood shed by our party after the arrival of the united states troops was that of a slave in the beginning of the encounter and before the troops had fairly emerged from the bridge a slave was shot i saw him fall phil the slave who died in prison with fear as it was reported was wounded at the ferry and died from the effects of it of the men shot on the rocks when kagi's party were compelled to take to the river some were slaves and they suffered death before they would desert their companions and their bodies fell into the waves beneath captain brown who was surprised and pleased by the promptitude with which they volunteered and with their manly bearing at the scene of violence remarked to me on that monday morning that he was agreeably disappointed in the behavior of the slaves for he did not expect one out of ten to be willing to fight the truth of the harper's ferry raid as it has been called in regard to the part taken by the slaves and the aid given by colored men generally demonstrates clearly first that the conduct of the slaves is a strong guarantee of the weakness of the institution should a favorable opportunity occur and secondly that the colored people as a body were well represented by numbers both in the fight and in the number who suffered martyrdom afterward the first report of the number of insurrectionists killed was seventeen which showed that several slaves were killed 
for there were only ten of the men that belonged to the kennedy farm who lost their lives at the ferry namely john henry kagi jerry anderson watson brown oliver brown stuart taylor adolphus thompson william thompson william lehman all eight whites and dangerfield newby and sherrard lewis leary both colored the rest reported dead according to their own showing were colored captain brown had but seventeen with him belonging to the farm and when all was over there were four besides himself taken to charlestown prisoners viz a d stevens edwin coppick white john a copeland and shields green colored it is plain to be seen from this that there was a proper percentage of colored men killed at the ferry and executed at charlestown of those that escaped from the fangs of the human bloodhounds of slavery there were four whites and one colored man myself being the sole colored man of those at the farm that hundreds of slaves were ready and would have joined in the work had captain brown's sympathies not been aroused in favor of the families of his prisoners and that a very different result would have been seen in consequence there is no question there was abundant opportunity for him and the party to leave a place in which they held entire sway and possession before the arrival of the troops and so cowardly were the slaveholders proper that from colonel lewis washington the descendant of the father of his country general george washington they were easily taken prisoners they had not pluck enough to fight nor to use the well-loaded arms in their possession but were concerned rather in keeping a whole skin by parleying or in spilling cowardly tears to excite pity as did colonel washington and in that way escape merited punishment no the conduct of the slaves was beyond all praise and could our brave old captain have steeled his heart against the entreaties of his captives or shut up the fountain of his sympathies against their families could he for the moment have forgotten them in the selfish thought of his own friends and kindred or by adhering to the original plan have left the place and thus looked forward to the prospective freedom of the slave hundreds ready and waiting would have been armed before twenty-four hours had elapsed as it was even the noble old man's mistakes were productive of great good the fact of which the future historian will record without the embarrassment attending its present narration john brown did not only capture and hold harper's ferry for twenty hours but he held the whole south he captured president buchanan and his cabinet convulsed the whole country killed governor wise and dug the mine and laid the train which will eventually dissolve the union between freedom and slavery the rebound reveals the truth so let it be End of section 5